everyone. Welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm April, and I'm actually here alone in the studio today because Rachel is traveling and visiting family. So I thought we'd just get right into our subject matter for this week. We are going to be talking about Day of the Dead, which is a holiday that I really love and am fascinated by and wanted to know more about. So I called an expert, and here's our interview. Okay, we're back with our Mesoamerican expert, Kirby Farah, and we're going to talk about the Day of the Dead. Hi, Kirby. How are Hi, you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. It's nice to see you. It's good to see you thanks. again, too. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm excited because I love Day of the Dead, and Me I don't too. know that much about it. Yeah. So. I celebrate it. I go to that thing at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, but I really don't know how it started or anything. So can you describe what Day of the Dead is? Day of the Dead is a, really it's a three-day celebration that I think we, especially uh, here in the U.S., have sort of just summed up as the Day of the Dead, even though uh, it's really a three-day celebration corresponding to our Halloween, uh, October 31st. Um, And then the sort of old school Catholic holidays of All Saints and All Souls Day. So that's November 1st and November 2nd. Um, And traditionally in Mexico, uh, which is really the origin place of the Día de los Muertos celebration, um, November 2nd is really the big day of celebration. Um, Día de los Muertos has its roots actually in uh, Aztec celebration that we think actually occurred during uh, sometime during the summer and it was during the ninth Aztec month I should say and and uh, their calendar doesn't perfectly uh, match up with ours Uh, it's it's quite close but uh, so it sort of shifted over the centuries when exactly it occurred but roughly in the summer and it seems that when the Spanish arrived, they sort of, in an attempt to convert people, they, they did this for all kinds of holidays, actually. They did it with saints, where they would essentially say, oh, you have this celebration that is similar to our All Saints Day, so let's sort of migrate that celebration. And so what it would become is this mix, we call it a syncretism, when uh, indigenous beliefs or practices are mixed with, uh, in, in this case, it would have been sort of Spanish Catholic uh, practices and resulting in what is Dia de los Muertos today. Wow, that's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. So it's a combination of a bunch of things that came together. Right. And so much of what we see in Dia de los Muertos today is influenced, uh, especially the fixation on the dead, I should say, is very much influenced by the Aztec tradition because the Aztec celebration was in honor of this goddess, uh, Mik- I want to say her name right, Mixteca Siwat was her name, and she is essentially the goddess of the underworld. So the underworld is Mictlan for Aztecs. Um, and yeah, this was a, a yearly celebration, sort of in honor of her. She seems to be, um, there were two gods of the underworld. Uh, there was a sort of a male deity and a female deity. And she seems to be the deity more associated with festivities. So they were sort of uh, festive during her celebration and were ostensibly remembering their dead. 
Wow. So do you see her iconography in a lot of the Day of the Dead skeletons and things like that? Or is she one of the people we see? Well, so supposedly um, this artist in the 19th century, Posada, is sort of famous for a lot of the images we see today um, that are Dia de los Muertos, a lot of the skeletal figures celebrating and drinking and all dressed up. Um, he's actually responsible for a lot of those. And supposedly his La Catrina, La Catrina, I'm sorry, um, figure, which is she's, uh, you've definitely seen her before. She wears this big hat. Um, and she's sort of the principal female skeleton that we see all over the place. And supposedly she is sort of meant to be uh, a colonial, obviously, version of Mixteca uh, Siwat. Wow, that's cool. Can you say her name again? Yeah, it's Mixteca Siwat. So it's, sorry, Nawat. It's a weird name. But, no, I uh, love it. It's yeah. cool. It's yeah, really, yeah. I love the way it sounds. Yeah. So when uh, when the Spaniards came, the, did the Aztecs then move it from their summer celebration to the October right that would that's sorry the November right exactly no that's what seems to have happened it's unclear we know that um in some cases the syncretism was pretty um purposeful by the Spanish so we know that with certain Aztec deities with actually Mesoamerican deities we see it in the Maya region as well um they would very purposefully say oh your rain god that's like our Saint Simon for example, and it's why on different saints' days in Mexico we see this weird imagery that is sort of like Saint Simon, but also sort of like um, Mesoamerican rain deities. So they did purposefully do it. Um, as far as I know, we don't know that much about how Dia de los Muertos or sort of the the Mixtecasiwat celebrations were moved, whether it was purposeful on the part of the Spanish or whether they sort of introduced All Saints and All Souls Day and the Aztecs sort of recognized the similarities themselves and brought in that sort of those practices and the iconography associated with it themselves. Can you describe what happens? So what is the holiday? What happens at midnight on October 31st? Yes. So essentially, so I, I should say I've, I grew up in Texas where we did, um, certainly, Certainly while when I was living in South Texas in Austin, uh, Dia de los Muertos is big there. So I attended several celebrations there. And then I've also been to some in Central Mexico and in Southern Mexico, which are the two really epicenters, I would say, in Mexico for um, Dia de los Muertos celebration. So I've seen it in a lot of different ways. But the legend is that essentially on October, the, the evening at midnight on October 31st, sort of the gates to Mictlan, to the um, underworld where our dead are living, um, opens. And um, the November 1st is associated more with children. So this is the day that um, the, the angelitos, the little angels, sort of come out and are able to walk around. And typically children actually make altars. Um, specifically for other children that have deceased. Um, these days can be, I, I've witnessed them being fairly playful, and I've also witnessed November 1st being a little bit more somber, especially in the case where people have lost children actually in the preceding year. There are different customs that go along with this if you've actually lost a child in the preceding year where people on November 1st sort of come to your home to mourn. They typically bring candles and um 
There's a lot of food. It sort of is like a, a funeral, uh, a little bit more akin to a funeral, or it can be on November 1st. Um, November 2nd, though, All Souls Day is the day that we usually associate with the Day of the Dead, I would say, a lot of the sort of images we see. This is the day that uh, deceased adults are sort of freed from the underworld and walk around. Um, And this day tends to be a little bit more festive. People tend to congregate around if, if dead are buried in cemeteries, the cemeteries are, are parties, essentially, on this night. Um, graves are decorated really elaborately. People are drinking. People are reminiscing. It's actually a really nice um, holiday when you think that really here in the U.S. we don't have any holidays that are sort of specifically designated uh, for days to remember um, our ancestors, uh, the people that came before us. And so it's actually a really beautiful Day. It tends to be very happy. Um, every celebration I've ever seen on November 2nd, it tends to be a more uh, very festive and happy and a lot of happy memories and laughter. And it's great. Isn't there a lot of mezcal and cigarettes involved? <laughs> yeah. So there generally still today is a lot of alcohol, a lot of cigarettes. There's sort of even cigarettes now for people who didn't smoke in their lifetime. Um, it used to be sort of you were giving the dead things that they enjoyed during their lifetime. Um, and that still happens today. But cigarettes are almost always present even now for people that I think, again, this is just an old tradition, giving cigarettes, mezcal, some more tr- traditional drinks. We see atole, which is not alcoholic. We see pulque, which is an alcoholic corn beverage. Yeah, lots That's, of fun stuff. Is it celebrated differently depending on the area? So is it a little different in central Mexico and southern Mexico? Yeah, a little bit different. And I have to say that I I don't want to generalize regionally only because I I was in very different places uh, too in terms of population. When I study, uh, I I celebrated in central Mexico, both in Mexico City once, which was a very urban celebration. So my experience there was not very personal. It was seeing how really the city commemorates the day, um, which is really beautiful, but also very uh, big city. Uh, You know, I, I I literally experienced it sort of in central Mexico city so uh, there's a parade and a lot of decorations and so that was probably not a super personal uh, experience I have also celebrated in central Mexico in a home of a family that I lived with and so that was interesting because it was sort of a in a fairly rural community and everybody had altars set up in their own homes which almost certainly beckons back to Mesoamerican tradition as well where people were typically buried under the home um wow I didn't realize that yeah yeah that's I think that has to do a lot with why home altars are also so significant um and so in the rural community it was um people sort of it was still very communal but people were sort of moving around to each other's homes and celebrating in different homes within the community um it seems like some of the houses typically had more food or more going on but everybody had home altars and were celebrating their own family members so a little bit more personal um and in southern mexico was probably that was one of my most recent experiences and it was in uh it was in oaxaca city in the state of oaxaca in mexico 
and we actually went to a cemetery and experienced how people celebrate at the cemetery, which was also really beautiful, um, both aesthetically beautiful because the graves are decorated, um, but also super emotionally moving because people are very willing to sort of welcome you in and to tell you about their family members. I mean, I think it's interesting the imagery we see associated with Day of the Dead. It's sort of skeletal and, and almost funny. I think a lot of the images we see are funny, but it's really a deep a really beautiful I think holiday and I think people really take it very seriously I think it's an sort of emotional time for a lot of people so can you talk about some of the traditions like sugar skulls or the face paint yeah I learned a lot about the traditions sort of surrounding Dia de los Muertos when I was in elementary school because I chose Dia de los Muertos as my holiday to research when I was I think in fourth grade I was I think at the time it, it I was a weirdo because I was in a classroom of a lot of suburban children who chose uh, really, you know, the more traditional uh, American holidays. It was a lot of Fourth of July and Christmas and Thanksgiving, and I chose Dia de los Muertos. So um, sugar skulls, so I, I would say the big traditions that we see sort of across Mexico tend to be the creation of sugar skulls are really common. The pan muerto, so the, the, there's a specific kind of bread that's made sort of an eggy bread um, that's gifted to the dead. Definitely on the altars, the altars are being created. A lot of the prep day tends to be October 31st. So that day tends to be a lot of sort of creating the altars if they haven't already been created, um, adding all of the food and beverages and just sort of preparing for the dead um, that will come in the, the next two days. It's interesting now, this is sort of a side note, but Halloween as we celebrate it in the U.S. is increasingly celebrated in Mexico as well. So there's sort of this weird meshing of the two holidays, which are actually celebrated very differently, which is happening especially in a lot of the bigger cities in Mexico, where simultaneously while this prep work is going into Dia de los Muertos, children also are increasingly dressing up on October 31st uh, in sort of, you know, as superheroes and princesses and all the things that people dress up for uh, here in the U.S. and sort of doing their own version of trick-or-treating, and then jumping into Dia de los Muertos on, yeah, the next two days, which is really weird. It's weird, but I kind of love it. Yeah, I, they I get everything. Love, yeah, exactly. I love both holidays. So. Yeah, yeah, they're both great holidays. As far as face painting, I'm not sure where the origins of face painting come. So certainly, speaking again about Mesoamerican people, certainly there was a lot of costume involved in celebrations, a lot of processions involved typically. So what we see when we see people's face painted and we see them moving, and typically uh, Dia de los Muertos today also typically does involve some sort of processional uh, celebration. So whether it's actually a parade or the way that people are simply moving through spaces like cemeteries, there is this sort of image of people moving in procession, which still exists today. And Do most people dress up? Is that a normal it's thing? It's quite common, yeah, still for people to dress up, to paint their faces. Because of the sort of popularity of Dia de los Muertos in the United States now, a lot of tourists are in Mexico during that time. They also paint their faces. Um, everybody tends to get involved. It, it does seem to be a holiday that's fairly 
welcoming um even though it's so much a part of mexican identity it still seems there's people seem pretty happy and to have anyone involved who wants to be involved in the festivities there's not a lot of ownership over the actions possibly because we all have uh deceased ancestors and so there really is no yeah it's a human it it relates to us on a very human level yeah and americans need something like this i feel like we need this holiday yeah um i don't know if that's why it has been increasingly popular in the u.s recently it sort of seems to come in waves and i I mean it's like everything i don't know if it's just as sort of Mexican cultural objects sort of come in and out of vogue if we're also seeing Dia de los Muertos coming in and out of vogue for those reasons Um, or if yeah people recognize that it is sort of beautiful to dedicate a couple of days a year to celebrating uh, the dead as opposed to sort of we spend so much time when we have you know deceased relatives we go to funerals there's a lot of sadness surrounding it Um, justifiably but it's also nice to come together to sort of remember the nice times and celebrate their lives yeah exactly and other cultures have ways that they celebrate it but it just seems like americans just don't we don't want to see it we don't want to deal with it it's too much can you also talk about the flowers that they use Yes, so the flowers that they use, they are marigolds. They are a flower that is indigenous to uh, to Mexico. Um, they're orange marigolds, typically. I think marigolds come in a lot of different varieties, if I remember. Um, but they're typically orange, and the idea is that the marigolds sort of are, uh, they sort of are the, the scent that calls the dead out. Um, and sort of leads them to their altar. So a lot of times we see the marigolds sort of arranged uh, along a road or along a path in a home maybe. Uh, We often see them on altars or right in front of altars sort of leading up to the offerings. Um, Yeah, and and that's the idea. We know that the flowers are indigenous and we know that the flowers were named um, they had a Nahuatl name, so it's very possible that marigolds were also involved in these indigenous celebrations, and that those are also just sort of a holdover from indigenous practices. I find it really interesting, too, that marigolds seem to be very prominent in Indian celebrations of death. Yeah. Do you know anything about... I, I certainly can't and wouldn't postulate that there's any sort of inherent thing about marigolds. Other than them being very bright and sort of beautiful, so vibrant, I think, that if we are sort of celebrating something, that's certainly the vibrancy of marigolds. I like that. Yeah. Can you describe what the altars look like and what might be part of an altar? Yeah. So the altars are, I should start by saying the altars are super diverse. So I've seen all kinds of altars. Household altars tend to be what we would expect in a household in terms of scale. They're um, smaller. Um, they typically involve a, a table or some sort of flat surface where food and, and the offerings can physically be placed. And then uh, typically the backdrop of the table will be sort of what we would really refer to as like the altar or the, the decorative part of the altar. It's sort of a typically arched in shape and elaborately decorated. There's often words on it. Um, sometimes just, uh, and and sometimes photos are put up as well, uh, of the dead, either on sort of the backdrop or on the table itself. 
um, lots of flowers, lots of color. People sort of alternate if they're using actual flowers always. Some, a lot of paper is used as well. They tend to be very colorful. They are sort of most like, I think if a parade float was literally just sort of smashed against a wall. <laughs> um, it's sort of a similar techniques are being used. A lot of sort of homemade tactics for making these beautiful altars. Um, of course, there are also massive altars in city centers, uh, sometimes near, near churches, um, in, in graveyards, um, massive altars sometimes there. So the scale is quite different depending on how many people who's celebrating. Hollywood Forever Cemetery here in L.A., they have a theme every year. And so people will decorate their altars based on that theme, which yeah. is, I love that. Yeah, I love that too. That's also a sort of great meshing of two different um festivals yeah we don't really see so much of the sort of thematic they tend to be pretty much what they are in Mexico but uh but yeah I think that's great it's fun I mean yeah. you know it gets people involved yeah I think. we've talked a little bit about the iconography what do you think the holiday says about Mexicans relationship to death I have a lot of feelings about I mean this is again not to generalize all Mexicans but um because I am an archaeologist, so my work does sometimes involve actually uh, exhuming, dealing with uh, human remains. I can speak a little bit to the fact that generally I think that Mexican people see the physical remains of dead people that are buried in the ground as completely separate from the person themselves. So um, it's kind of ironic because um, when we dig up dead people now, typically with for me it's Aztec people, so we're talking mostly 600 years old. They, you know, what we're digging out of the ground are skeletons, um, but people don't really feel even even when you're dealing working with people who are likely the descendants of the people you're digging up they don't feel this sort of emotional connection for that the physical remains of that person because they just don't recognize a connection there but people do believe very much that the souls of individuals are very much still alive and should be remembered and recognized and so I think what Dia de los Muertos shows us about Mexican culture is just the way that Mexicans value the people that came before them we see this through Dia de los Muertos we see this through a lot of different um, traditions in Mexico there is a huge emphasis for example on the indigenous heritage of Mexico which clearly is a clear reflection of the fact that people living there today recognize their heritage appreciate their heritage um, both their Spanish heritage but also so definitely and arguably more so their indigenous heritage. I can't wait to go down there someday. We yeah. should we should go. We should, yeah, I want I you to go with us yeah, and yeah. Give us a, take us everywhere. <laughs> I would love to. Any yeah. opportunity. So Day of the Dead iconography has kind of crept into American culture. Yeah. I mean, my first recognition of it was Grateful Dead albums. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then also Oingo Boingo. So yeah. I feel like it's kind of crept through in, in music, but also lots of art. Can you talk about that a little bit and why you think Americans find that iconography so appealing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if early on when we see it with these groups that are already themselves associated with Mexico um, or, or have people of sort of Mexican heritage, if we initially see it there, like right with Grateful Dead, certainly. Um, so... I can't speak as much to that sort of older iconography and how it slips in, but certainly more recently, and I don't know, I, I, 
It's interesting question because I also feel like Dia de los Muertos iconography is more prominent now in general than it was when I was much younger. But I don't know if that's um, just my bias, just me observing it more now that I'm older. But certainly, um, it, I first saw it really emerge heavily uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, which is a place that already is fairly. Um, I would say there's already a lot of Mexican iconography in Austin, uh, in South Texas in general. We see a lot of it. Um, Texas obviously was Mexico uh, before. And so we already see a lot of it there. People got tattoos, though. People who were not Mexican got tattoos with Dia de los Muertos imagery. I don't know if it was seen as sort of an edgy thing at the time now it is so appropriated that there's nothing really edgy about adopting Dia de los Muertos iconography into your life but I I don't know I, I think that the Posada images in particular seem to be all over the place the sort of dancing skeletal figures again I don't know if it's seen as edgy or or just sort of funny and nice in a way um, I, I can't speak to why all of a sudden uh, we see it all the time, but we yeah. definitely do. Yeah, because I feel like it's just sort of permeated. Yeah, the rest, of, like it, just, at least in Los Angeles, and it sounds like in Texas, and maybe other parts of California, because my mom celebrates Day of the Dead. Yeah, she loves it, and and has adopted um, some of the traditions and and has a lot of the artwork. So you know, it, and it it just it seems very normal that it's a part of our lives. Yeah, and somehow. I don't know if it has to do with in. Some places, I wouldn't, I would say that some parts of America, certainly some of the larger cities are, are increasingly secular. Um, maybe religious norms don't sort of dictate what we do day to day. And so um, even though Dia de los Muertos really at its roots, it is in many ways a Catholic holiday. I don't think that many Americans that celebrate it see it that way. I think it's just sort of a cool celebration that sort of adds to Halloween, right? It's an add-on to Halloween. I don't know how many people that celebrate Dia de los Muertos, that dress up, that even go to Hollywood forever, for example, are actually at home thinking and sort of are getting together with their families and act actually reflecting on their own dead relatives. That would be an interesting study, actually, to see sort of it how be. it's been made meaningful, to yeah. people here in the U.S., how what they understand it to even really be. Yeah, because I think for most people, it's mostly a party. Yeah, yeah. Um, an extent. I mean, Halloween's already such a party here that yeah, I think any excuse to add on to that just an extenuation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also feel like there's now sort of a style of music. I can't really describe it, but I just feel like there's there's a style of music associated with Dio de los Muertos as well. Oingo Boingo, like I yeah, said, yeah. definitely has this sound, and I don't know where how, where that sound came from. I mean, obviously, there it's an old band at this point. And yeah, like, yeah. It's not modern anymore, but Julieta Venegas. Yeah, um, yeah. There's some other artists. No, as we increasing, I mean, again, I don't know if this is sort of just, these are people, right, with Mexican heritage, so these are people that are sort of pulling from that themselves, but it definitely is this sort of, I think it's also has a tendency to have this sort of Southern California sound a little bit, which maybe does speak to sort of just general blending of our two cultures. 
I, I don't know. I, I certainly am not an authority on speaking to why we see it, but we definitely do. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Is there anything about Dio de los Muertos that people have wrong or that you want them to know about? I think that one of the nice things about Dia de los Muertos, as I've seen, I'm, I'm sure some people probably feel more closely tied to it than I do. If it's their own heritage, they might feel like a sense of a specific tradition. But I've witnessed it being practiced in Mexico in so many different ways. And I don't really think that there is a sense of ownership over the you know the lines of the ritual surrounding Dia de los Muertos I think are not that rigid I think they've changed over time I mean a lot of the imagery again that we see with Posada for example that only emerged in the late 19th century so that's not even as old as the holiday itself um, I think we will increase as as for all holiday celebrations um, it will continue to evolve over time and I think as long as people continue to recognize sort of where it comes from and, and sort of uh, its origin story at least a little bit, I, I think that's okay um, if people choose to celebrate it in different ways. What is your favorite part of the holiday? Until I was in Oaxaca, I had never actually gone to a cemetery and witnessed how it's practiced. So it's sort of... It's, it's essentially the same thing going on that's going on in houses, but because cemeteries are packed, these were very old, packed cemeteries. And so um, it was sort of this mixture of all of these families congregating around headstones and candles were lit. And so they were all having these individual celebrations, but they were in super close quarters. It's sort of as if it reminded me of like a being in a packed restaurant. But if everybody at an individual table was essentially celebrating the same thing, but just, um, you know, if it was like a birthday at every single table, but everybody was celebrating their own sort of individual birthday. It's sort of like that where it's this massive party, but actually quite intimate. So it's noisy and loud and people are all over the place, but it's not, it's sort of segregated in the sense that everybody's sort of with their own family congregated around this specific space. Um, so that, I think, was maybe my favorite Dia de los Muertos experience to just sort of, again, be sort of reminded of how this holiday, it's a, it's a holiday, right, that's very much adopted by Mexico. It's a, a huge part of Mexican heritage, this a holiday, but how personal it still is to so many people. It hasn't been, even though it has obviously been very much commercialized, it's still a super intimate holiday for people. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for it having me. It was really me. fun. Yeah. Can't wait to go to Oaxaca with you. <laughs> I know. Me neither. Celebrate. Let's do it. <laughs> so there you have it. Everything you ever wanted to know about Day of the Dead. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Rachel will be back next week. We'll have a brand new episode for you. So until then, I'm April. Bye. Bye.